This episode of a sassy little podcast for getting over it is proudly sponsored by Rooted Planning Group, a woman-owned and managed business. We've learned the value of our physical and emotional health. This year, let's invest in our financial health. No matter which stage in life you're at, Rooted Planning Group is ready to help you achieve your dreams. Learn how financial planning can help you grow at rootedpg.com. Welcome to a sassy little podcast for getting over it. I'm your host, Sandra Ann Miller. Today, we're talking about getting the F over anger, because while it's important to feel our feelings, this is one that can take over. Our guest is a psychologist, executive coach, and certified wellness speaker based in New York. She's the author of Better Daily Self-Care Habits, Simple Changes with Lifelong Impact, released last month by Rockridge Press. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. Cicely Horsham Brathwaite. Oh, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here with you and spend this time talking about anger. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I know that I have been super fucking angry since 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the pandemic hasn't really helped that. Our social justice system hasn't really helped that. Our daily lives hasn't really helped that. I mean, it's not that any of this is really new. We have been dealing with this as a society, as who we are as a society for a very, 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 very long time, basically since the start. But I think from 2016 forward, we were really shoved a mirror in our faces. We were really forced to kind of look at who we are and what's happening. And I, I think it's really hard not to be angry. And I know that once you start feeding it, it becomes the go-to emotion. And I don't think there's any other way to put it, but people are losing their shit like all the time. What in the last week, there have been two people duct taped on a plane. I mean, we just are not in a good place right now. And it's, it's anger. I mean, we, we've, we had a little insurrection you know, and whatever side you are on that, it's all anger. I mean, I'm still appalled by the fact that there aren't hundreds of people in jail, including some people that were voted in there. Yeah. So clearly I'm a little too in touch with my anger right now. (laughs) It's, it's uh, yeah, a lot. Sandra, I, I really appreciate you leading off with an acknowledgement that not only are you angry, but that so many of us are. And to whatever degree we may have been aware that there are differences of opinion, differences in people's circumstances and experiences, I think it's fair to say that any shield that maybe have been over our eyes mm-hmm. <laughs> previously Rose-colored glasses? Exactly. Are really hard to maintain. And in fact, it's hard to imagine that one doesn't have some level of anger in these days and times. Yes. According to the American Psychological Association, anger is an emotion characterized by antagonism towards someone or something you feel has deliberately done you wrong. Anger can be a good thing. It can give you a way to express negative feelings, for example, or motivate you to find solutions to problems. But excessive anger can cause problems. Increased blood pressure and other physical changes associated with anger make it difficult to think straight, hello, and harm your physical and mental health. And I think the harm to our mental health Mm -hmm. is super apparent right now. Yeah. I love that you you drew from the American Psychological Association, uh, one of my professional um, homes. And I think what's what has been clear for me as a longtime mental health professional is that we don't really have many models for how to understand and support people when anger is a daily reality. And in fact, that to, to, for many reasons, anger is functional in these days and times. 
And anytime we have a go-to emotion that is prominent in our day-to-day experience, such that it becomes excessive, Mm -hmm. that's when I think it's important to look at the implications of of holding that that emotion. And specifically around anger, I find that it is an emotion that people can either on one hand have a hard time accessing and on the other hand, access it to the exclusion of other emotions. Yeah, I'm I'm in touch with all of my feelings, but anger, you know, when I was younger, it served as a protection. Yeah. Now I'm a, I'm a sensitive little girl and yeah. if you wanted to hurt me, well, I would just go directly to anger and make sure that you were a little bit scared that you weren't going to try mm-hmm. that again, not in any sort of like violent scary way. Mm-hmm. I'm just but you know, that was my not even just a defense, just a protection. And to really just keep me safer, make you think twice if you really wanted to go there. And, you know, it's just like puffing yourself up like a puffer fish. It's just a way to kind of keep yourself alive. But it, it doesn't feel good. And even with anger as an energy, even having it be a source of motivation at times, it's so exhausting. And, Mm. you know, that, that high and low from it, it's, it's just, you know, it becomes more and more and more draining. And after this period of five years, I'm both pissed off and exhausted. So, and it's not just me. I can only imagine how everybody else is feeling, especially with people who have it so much worse. I'm in a safe space. I have a roof over my head, food in my refrigerator, a job. I am pretty well insulated from a lot of bad. So if you are dealing with all of those other pressures and those other injustices, my God, how are you even functioning? How do you even smile? Yeah. I mean, you've touched on so many different, I think, important elements. Let me try to respond to some of them as best as I can. I will start where you left off, right? I, I do believe that there are rampant injustices that exist in our world, but in the context of, of this country and this, this land where, where we reside, I think it is really clear that that injustice exists. And to not be angry, affronted by those injustices, I think eats away at the self, mm-hmm. can, I believe, contribute to emotional and physical illness and can lead one to action to create the types of changes that you believe need to happen in in your environment. When you gave the example of being a child um, and that anger was a way to protect yourself, I, I think that there is something to that, right? That when you hold less power based on age, gender, and the like, that there there need to be protective mechanisms. And I think sometimes what can get missed in conversations broadly about, you know, there needs to be anger, there needs to, or or you need to get over it, is that that place for both. Mm -hmm. There is the internal, I think, awareness of how to create a safe space around you and within you to give yourself a break from your righteous and justifiable anger and expand your ability to access other emotions. And I think that's the part that can be challenging to to talk about out of fear of minimizing or gaslighting people's experience of anger with regard to what's going on in this world. Right. Or going to, uh, you know, toxic positivity. Right. 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 And I think it's, I I think I'm someone who believes that there can be multiple truths. Right. (laughs) And, And so for me, when I am looking at my own anger or talking with people in my work, and exploring with them the function of their anger, I think that is the key, like looking at the function, 
-hmm. what part is functional and what part is, is actually not useful or functional for you. Right. And often there is a, an earlier life experience that sets the foundation for how you deal with emotions like anger. And I think getting clear about that (laughs) (laughs) can be useful. Yeah. And I've talked about this before. I come from a dysfunctional family, verbal and emotional abuse from my mother. So being a sensitive child, you know, and she would, her goal was to make me cry. So I tried the whole, okay, I'm just going to go right to the cry so we can get this over with. And when that stopped working, I'm like, well, then I'm going to fight back and I can yell louder and I can say more hurtful things. I can go right there toe to toe with you. And as a child or a teenager, you shouldn't be put in that position, but that is my protection. I don't, I don't even really want to call it a defense. It's just the shield that goes up Mm -hmm. that, you know, so that's where it comes from with me. If you're going to try to take advantage of me or belittle me or just be otherwise rude. Well, you know, a lot of times I can blow it off, but if I feel your vibe, like this is going to go on for a while because you want to have that reaction, Mm -hmm. I'll cut right to the chase Mm -hmm. and, you know, just kind of like, let's, let's end this now. I'm going to play my, I don't even like saying the word. How do you say the card that you want to put down? I call him Shitler, but I'm going to actually have to use the word. I put my Trump card down and so we can end the game you know, and just Mm -hmm. move forward. And it took a lot of work to slow that down and make that less of the automatic response, just kind of reassess. But watching everything that's been going on in the world, I have, you know, a list in my Twitter where I just, I follow smart Twitter and funny Twitter. So I have the balance. I'm getting my information. I've got people that can make me laugh as well. I'm trying to be smart about it. Can't go on Facebook because there's just too much dumb there. And, you know, Instagram is just pretty. But, you know, that can also feed into this. That can also stoke the flames. And we're sort of in that habit because we want to be aware. We want the news. We want to know what's going on. We want to participate. But at the same time, mm-hmm. it's it's really hard to find that balance because by no means should we stop fighting and being aware. We have an election coming up. We have gerrymandering happening. We've got voting rights that are trying to be destroyed. Mm -hmm. We can't let our guards down no matter how exhausted we are. We have the Delta variant. We don't know what's going to happen with the Lambda variant. Do we need a booster? All of these things that keep us at least tense, Mm -hmm. if not angry. You know, so there's a lot going on and finding a way to be a bit more zen about it yeah, is, is slightly a challenge, at least for me. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting that you bring up social media, right? Because it is important to be selective about what we consume. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate hearing that you're selective oh, yeah. and, and, um, and clear. I love the, I love the vision of your, your smart Twitter and your funny Twitter. <laughs> and I, and I think the other part of sort of being selective about what we consume is recognizing that those platforms are really set up to keep us engaged and manipulate and to not look away and to, and to um, present the message that is trending at the time or will keep you engaged. And so I think, I think being clear and you're absolutely right. We do need to be informed. And I think having a variety of ways to gather information is really important Right. I think that's one of the things that we that we we lost when print media uh, became less and less of a thing that, that people consume. Right. We many of us, I know that I do, uh, get our news delivered to us <laughs> um, either in our inbox or, you know, through social media and, and other platforms. And so. I do think it is important. Right. Our our brains and our bodies are wired to deal with threat for a particular period of time and then to have a period of recovery once the threat passes. And so if we keep ourselves engaged 
then we don't have a chance to recover. And therefore, we're not able to respond optimally or process optimally or make decisions about when we are strategic with our anger. Because that's what I also heard from you, right? Like you have some strategies for when when this version of anger can show up. (laughs) (laughs) That version maybe. (laughs) And so I, I do think, I I do think that that strategy comes from periods of rest, Mm -hmm. right? Well, and it's not to say that I'm just, you know, growling all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you can't sustain that. You, you have to find things that bring you joy. Mm -hmm. Formula one brings me joy. Unfortunately, we're on a four week break, so I have to find joy elsewhere. And, you know, let's talk about how Ted Lasso just kind of like took over. We wanted, we, we didn't even know that we wanted some optimistic, always happy guy mm. to come in and, mm. you know, be the fish out of water story that just <laughs> warmed our hearts. And I think, you know, 20 Emmy nominations or whatever, it's, it's, yeah. it's interesting that during this chronic shit show that we've been in, that there are these little gems. And yeah. so, yes, I listen to music I love. I see people yeah. that I love. I'm able to laugh and have a good time until the next thing happens. Yeah. And I think we're we're all in that boat. This isn't, you know, just about me and my emotions. I'm just the example that we have yeah. here. But my god, you know, yeah. the stress yeah. that we're all under, the shit show that we're all watching. Yeah. And it's global. Yeah. Yeah. I think you know, first of all, now I, I have to move Ted Lasso up on my list of, of must <laughs> must watch um, programs. <laughs> um and and I love like the gem that I got from you is like is really like finding gems in the hot on um, in the hot mess, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. <laughs> of, of of it all. And recognizing that, that this is not just about our individual experience, it's our collective experience as humans at this stage of of the history of humanity. Uh, One of the resources that I um, am finding um, a lot of insight from right now um, is a book that came out a couple of years ago. It's it's called Widen the Window by uh, Elizabeth Stanley, Dr. Elizabeth Stanley. And in it, she offers strategies for really how to um, maintain oneself in the face of ongoing stress. She she draws from a variety of traditions, including her experience as someone um, who was formerly in the military, mm-hmm. right? And what I find interesting about that, and 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 the science that she presents that matches the things that 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 we we say is that it is important to have an ongoing practice or practices that help you with what we call bottom-up strategies Mm -hmm. for um, regulating your emotions in stressful times. And so I think, you know, we're talking broadly about anger and we're also talking about emotion um, management and regulation. And, and I think the key thing that sometimes that we miss in, in wanting to make change in the world is only focusing on that mm-hmm. and not focusing on what we need for ourselves to sustain us while we're also doing the good work and fighting the good fight. That's the part that sometimes can be challenging. And I don't believe it has to be an either or. I don't believe that you can, that you must either tune out to the circumstances of the world or you must be totally in- immersed. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think life is about harmony. And, right. and, and giving yourself time for a mental vacation. You know, if you just need to like watch 30 rock, you know, for a weekend, do it. And, and, and I think that there are, you know, figuring out what your mental vacation is, what your, what's your type of rest. And, you know, there, there are these, um, here, here are the things that are great about social media. You get exposed to like, um, bites of information from lots of great people, but, um, I, there's someone, I believe that her name is Dr. Sandra Dalton Smith, but I may have that wrong, um, who has a TEDx talk about seven types of rest, right? And a few of those are sensory rest, physical rest, um, oh gosh, um, mental rest. And so I think figuring out through trial and error, what are the different types of, of rest 
that you build into your life? Um, and what are your particular go-to strategies? And I do believe that they need to happen daily, just like just like brushing our teeth. Hopefully right. we're doing that daily, <laughs> at least. And hopefully twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, yeah. And I think emotional rest and, yeah. you know, I can numb out by watching a, a good movie and I can numb out when I go for what I call my urban hikes when, you know, we've got some hills around me. So listening to music and just having that time for myself. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to incorporate that. It's It might be hard right now with all of the stresses that we have, but you have to find time for yourself. If it's 15, 20, 30 minutes a day, do what you can. If it's soaking in a tub if it's walking around the block, whatever it is that will give you some time to just have an emotional vacation, the thoughts creep in, you know, the irritations from the day can creep in, what you should have said to your boss can creep in, all of that. But it's finding a way to just relax a little because there is so much stress and tension just in the just going to the grocery store you can see it how people are interacting or whatever it's we're not in a good place and i think a lot of that is is because there is so much to be angry about we've fed into it it's just the go to emotion but we're bypassing disappointment and sadness and fear yeah we're afraid right now yeah i'm so glad that i'm so glad that 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 you bring that up you know from uh a longstanding mental health perspective around anger, that it often is an emotion that folks may go to, but that underneath it are some other emotions that are more difficult to to access. And you you gave great examples, right? Uh, Frustration, disappointment, resentment, fear, anxiety. I think, you know, just as a point, um, sometimes when I'm working with people around anger, what's what in part is going on is that they experience anxiety and uh, and so what comes out is an angry presentation. And so learning ways to identify and then respond to your anxiety are, are important. And so I think as an exercise and a practice, it is useful to check in with ourselves, whether it is in our thoughts or writing it down or in conversation to really ask ourselves when we are angry, what is really going on, right? And so, for example, we've been talking about anger as it relates to issues of fairness and justice, right? Is your anger that there are some conversations that you, in fact, need to have with people in your life or sphere of influence that you're not having? Is it anger um, because there is an action or a way that you could be contributing and that is yet unexplored? Are you really afraid? And do you need some tending to by uh, with yourself or someone else supporting you to talk about your fear, to, to support your body in its experience of, of fear? Like, are you doing those things? that you need to. So I think anger is information hmm. and an opportunity to, to go deeper. I completely agree. And I think all of it is a, a protection from when we feel vulnerable. Yes. I mean, I, and I, and I, I want to say something there, right? Like the vulnerability, like it really hits me in this moment as we're talking about, you know, did you, did you support the last president or not? Do you support this president or not? Do you, do you feel this way about, about January 6th? Do you feel, do you feel that way? And what comes up is one vulnerability in even, even expressing what one believes, right? Mm-hmm. Vulnerability and, and real life safety issues. People are people are feeling and experiencing a sense of threat that, for many of us, is something that we associated with an earlier period of, of this this country's history, mm-hmm. and that is that is scary. Vulnerability that our previously held beliefs don't don't fit right anymore, even about people that we love deeply or, or, or ha- thought we had close relationship with. 
or that like, if we're not angry, we have to deal with ourselves. I think there's a range like, and that is scary. Right. Well, I think especially dealing with ourselves. And I think we're seeing that from a specific group of people, all of these fears and the fact that reality is being shoved in their faces and that Mm -hmm. this is happening. And we see you, we see you for who you are. We see you for what you believed. And it used to be kind of like a quiet little thing in the shadows for the most part at dinner parties. Now we know who you are. And Mm -hmm you know, relationships have been severed. Conversations can't be had. All we do is scream at each other politically. There is no middle ground. We have channels that are just spewing propaganda. We have elected officials telling people not to get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. hello, those are your voters you're killing, you know? And so part of what I'm allergic to is this kind of stupidity and hubris, and you don't know how to fix that because you can only slap so much sense into people that this is kind of almost institutionalized. This is something we've been seeing for decades. Once they started saying that education was elitist, I knew we were on the downward spiral. Yeah. 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 Well, and I I think there's so many layers to this, right? Like I I come uh, from uh, a history and training um, that really focused on what we called at the time multicultural counseling. That's still a thing, but I think, you know, keeping in mind that it's been some time since I was in school, but very clearly the things that you talked about, even in, in my education before graduate school was around there being two Americas, right? right. And I think to, to be honest, what is like to, to speak more directly, I think what has been challenging is that uh, there has been a reality for for uh, folks of color in this country for for for, for all of time. Yeah, right. That is that is represented uh, in in conversations in people's houses of worship. If you consume media art about the experiences of folks of color, you 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 have a sense of that, right? And there's a different reality that has existed for people who identify as white, right? And it has been harder, I think, to, to not see those two realities. And from my observation, in the United States, there, there has been some shared agreement that we don't talk about certain things. Right. At, or that we see but don't see or internalize certain things. Right. And so this kind of exploration, I think, does give opportunity for folks who say that they believe in fairness and justice to move beyond uh, intellectual awareness to emotional awareness to then looking for real change. And, and you know, some of the the identity models and specifically the racial identity models really talk about there being a process by which people go from lack of awareness to like total immersion into like the Reality. thing. Yeah. Right. Well, to- right. And then and then and some integration of what the new understanding is and a renewed commitment to reality. Right. And so I find that I, I think in that lens, like taking that lens helps me sometimes to soothe my frustration, anger. I don't know that it, 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 it totally addresses my fear, but helps me to step back and evaluate or make sense of. I think it's mostly try to make sense of some of the things that we see. Yeah. And for me, I try to have a balance between how I how I keep myself informed and and what I pay attention to, like what sources I use, mm-hmm. um, so that the emotion of it is not overwhelming. Because I think we are overwhelmed by everything that we have mm-hmm. been witnessing, especially in these past five years. Just because I think this mm-hmm. is really not only where we kind of hit our low point, mm-hmm. you know, and we've been there for a while. I think we see the other side being in extreme fear that lo- they're losing their power, that the jig is up and things are going to change. And the white knuckle grip they have on their version of reality and what they want to have happen is 
to me, it's very scary. It's very dangerous. Yeah. I like to uplift other, other voices of, of folks that um, have been helpful to me in, in my journey of trying to make sense of, of myself, my experiences in the world. And um, someone that I have found useful is Milagros Phillips, who does work around um, healing around race. And, and what, what comes up there is that what she talks about is that at the very foundation of how we are educated in this country is not around truth telling, but around myth. Mm. And that myth has impacted us all. And some of us have, have become aware and understand that mythology. I think that it is in part why we see such challenging around uh, critical race theory mm-hmm. and talking about history. But I think I think at, at its core, there has not been clarity about who we really are as a nation, right? And what it what it has required to sustain these inequities. I mean. You know, we we learn about that when we read the book Cast, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think another thing that I would say to people, this is really my opinion. A lot of this is my opinion. It's not necessarily like my psychologist, you know, training, but I do think, (laughs) but I do think educating oneself is really helpful. And I think part of that is reading really strong historical accounts and synthesis of this country. I think also one of the things that that I've come to be aware of is that it is also helpful for us to ground ourselves in the culture of our people before we were here on 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 this land mass. And I really mean that like like really understanding one's Celtic history, right? Like like <laughs> is really I think that there is something grounding mm-hmm. about understanding from whence you came and 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 what it, and what was lost in assimilation to this society. Yes, and I talked previously about um lost heritage language and just mm. how losing that, you know, if you had, came from immigrant parents or you moved over here as a young child mm-hmm. and especially in my generation and generation X, you know, you you just it was just given up. Mm-hmm. And recapturing that and stuff. So, so all of our cultures mean something, mm-hmm. but it's also understanding that we're all human. We are all connected mm-hmm. in that way, period, end of story. And if you don't have compassion for your fellow man, even if they're complete idiots, if you don't have compassion for your neighbors, for global citizens, for the fact that we need to vaccinate the entire world not just us. If, if you don't have that understanding, that's a problem. And there's, there has to be more of that. And, and we're so individualistic here in America. We don't have that culture of community as Americans. Other cultures do have that concept of community and taking care of each other. Here, it's just fend for yourself. You know, if you work hard enough, you'll succeed. And then you won't have to pay taxes. Hey, you can get a rocket to space, you know, off the backs of other people. Congratulations. You're an American hero. See, clearly I'm just so in touch with my anger. It's just, ah. but yeah. And I think we have to kind of grasp that we can't keep being this pissed off. It is exhausting. I, you know, what's the, we, we've had more ODs in the last year, alcohol consumption's up. You know, the statistics aren't fully in from just being in lockdown of how this has affected us. And it has affected all of us, some much more than others. You know, we have the eviction moratorium starting to end. People are terrified of losing their home. And how are they going to crawl out of this hole? That wasn't their fault. We had leadership that didn't lead. So none of this is anybody's fault. But here we are, some better off than others, some in more pain than others. We have to kind of have compassion for everyone, including ourselves, and just bring it down a notch, which is really hard when a bunch of idiots are still, you know, denying science, denying fact, creating their own 
news, believing their own BS, the tightness in my chest right now, because it's, aren't they exhausted with the bullshit? I mean, really, that's got to take a whole lot of effort for newscasters who are vaccinated to go on air and say, don't do it, you know, but don't ask me about it. HIPAA, HIPAA, come on. So (laughs) <laughs> which by, which um which we know is an inaccurate representation of, of what exactly vaccinations are not private you have to be vaccinated and prove it to get into school you have to be vaccinated and prove it to get into certain countries this is not a secret this is not like who did you sleep with last week this is not a secret it's a vaccination it's like saying you know do you prefer aspirin or tylenol and I think one of the things that I think is interesting is that, you know, if we go back to discussions of, of mask wearing or not, right, I think as you speak about compassion, I think what sometimes is, is challenging is that different people feel a sense of control and mastery over circumstances that feel outside of their control by taking different strategies. Mm-hmm. And for some people, being able to wear a mask or take a vaccine is the thing that helps them to feel safe. Mm-hmm. Right. But let's even like, I'm just going to stick to the, the mask part, right? Like is the thing that helps you to feel like you're in control and can, can navigate the world for others that the that the emotion around having to take that action actually does feel out of control right and i think it's hard when we are wanting to address something solely intellectually that has a deeply resonant emotional component to it sure and it is challenging to know that there is misinformation that specifically seeks to target people at an emotional level, mm-hmm. right? I think it's, it's, it is challenging, but I also think that some of the compassion comes, for me, comes from understanding that different people have um, a set of emotional imprints that lead them to have a very different experience in the world that cuts across racial and ethnic groups. Mm-hmm. Right. And sure. it's, um, well, we can go to QAnon, like, you know, the yoga community fell for that. Hello. I'm, I'm like as crunchy granola. No, my sun, moon and rising sign grew up in Los Angeles, get it. And to realize that there are people in Santa Monica that bought into that crap. And all of this speaks to me just across the board is that desire and need for affiliation that in modern culture for some communities does not exist, mm-hmm. right? And so I also, you know, as we talk about how you respond to anger, how you use your anger productively, how you get over it, if that's what you're choosing, you know, is the path for you, that there is something about being in community that that your collective voice to address that which you are angry about is an, another important strategy. Mm-hmm. One, so that you're not holding it on your own, but also that there's opportunity to be generative in terms of thinking about solutions. And I, I think another thing that helps me is to see that there has been a shift where people are s- speaking up about things that are wrong and unjust in spheres uh, where previously there was silence, mm-hmm. right? We see it in, in people who are exiting um, situations in corporate America or academia where they say, no, this is not acceptable. And I am not going to um, talk about it in hushed tones privately. I am going to share this because other people have experienced and are experiencing the same thing. And I'm going to be a voice, right? That's a lot of courage. Yes. And so that for me has been uh, a shift and I've talked about this elsewhere, but that I was, I was certainly raised at a time when, when part of how you cope is to have an identity that is for 
for your work environment and one for when you are outside of that environment so that you can navigate that environment and have opportunity, Mm -hmm. right? And it's exciting to me to see people saying, I am who I am here and there in every sphere. Yes, very much. And it's time for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's time. So in the moment when I'm about ready to like explode, are there coping skills that I could acquire to calm myself down? So first, in the moment when we're about to explode, sometimes it's hard to access, right? Our coping mechanisms. And one of the ways that- Our sanity. Right. (laughs) And one of the ways that we can- access that more easily is through behavioral rehearsal. It's like, it's doing that before you're in the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, So that can look as simple as, you know, what are the things that reliably lead you to anger? Things that people do or say, you can be practicing and have a set of things that you say in those moments so that you don't have to like come up with it. Right. Right. And go F yourself isn't yes. what you say. Yeah. You, right. Right. <laughs> and then, right. You can't. So I think practicing in advance, I think having regular strategies that help you to, to, to take care of yourself on a, on a daily basis. I also think so like in the moment, what you can simply do is pause, mm-hmm. right. You might count to five or 10 before responding You might also, if you're able to just identify what the emotion is, right? You can say like, I'm afraid, I'm angry in in your head. Like you don't Mm -hmm. have to tell the other person, right? In your head, because part of what that does, giving giving language, giving a word to your emotional experience helps to bring you from um, your old brain to the planning and processing parts of your brain. And that can also help you right? You can also, you can also walk away, Mm -hmm. right? You can also find ways to ground yourself, right? So you can pay attention to your sensory experience. Um, So, uh, you know, like you can rub the, the, the seat of the chair or the arm of the chair to kind of ground yourself. You can look around and see what you notice in the environment. You know, that's great when you're on a Zoom meeting, right? You can do those <laughs> things. Nobody has to, nobody has to see <laughs> what, what you're doing. And also give your permit yourself permission to say, I can't respond right now. Mm-hmm. And I might want to come back to this. Yes. And I think I read somewhere that if someone does something to you and you have a reaction, if you knew that they had suffered a loss or they had something terrible happen to them that day, your reaction to the offense is different. So what really changes that? The offense is the offense, but what changes it is compassion. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of just pretend that everybody's having a really bad day and, you know, going forward that way, because I've had people say, you know, people are doing the best that they can. And while I'd like to believe that when the white BMW cuts me off, no, I don't think he's doing the best he can. And and there's a specific finger that I will share with him Mm -hmm. um, to let him know. I don't think he's doing the best that he can, but it, but it's the same thing. It's, does it really matter at the end of the day, these little grievances we have, especially when it's taking a toll on us emotionally. Is it really that important? Yeah. And yeah, sometimes maybe you feel it that way, but really at the end of the day, it, it's prioritizing. We we're having a very challenging time globally. We have to really kind of prioritize like where we place our energy and how we're moving in this world because our Anger is going to be passed on to someone else who's going to pass it on to someone else who's going to pass it on to someone else. It's this really horrible domino effect. And it just keeps going around. It's like that cold you used to get in your office in the 90s from recirculated air. You we just everybody would just keep getting sick and sick and sick. Yeah. Just everybody had their turn. You're just spreading a different kind of virus. And we need to get some perspective on how we're behaving. And how it's really impacting people 
and get your shit together before you get on a plane, people wear a mask and don't be a jerk. I mean, come on. No, as you talk about having compassion and a lot of those annoyances or anger inducing situations happen in day-to-day life. And then sometimes or often they happen in our closer relationships Mm -hmm. and a couple of strategies that, that I suggest to people is one, um, really just asking yourself related to what you said earlier, it's like, what else might be going on? Mm -hmm. Right. And for people who are closest to us and it feels safe and comfortable to do, you might even when they when they display anger towards us um, or or other things that are hurtful, you might just ask what happened right what what's going on? You know, I think we will navigate this time together, and I don't mean that in a everything is beautiful together Kumbaya. because right, but I mean that by drawing close to the people who matter to us. And for anyone who is listening, who doesn't have that person, right. Or those people, I recommend a couple of things. One, identify someone that you can talk to, whether it is a spiritual or religious person, a a therapist, a, a friend, a hotline number, have, have someplace where you can share what is on your mind and your heart. I also think it's important to recognize that if your anger goes along with feelings of depression, anxiety, and you've been finding that those experiences, those emotions persist over a period of weeks and you can't function in the way that you used to, and or you have thoughts of harming yourself or someone else, to please call your local hotline and have those numbers on your phone, Mm -hmm. right? For yourself or for others. This is a particularly vulnerable time for all of us. Yes. And this ties in perfectly with better daily self-care. Yes. So let's talk about your book. (laughs) Let's talk about it. Um, Better Daily Self-Care is uh, my new book that talks about and teaches people how we form habits and how to specifically form habits around well-being and self-care. And I feel so passionate about this book. I'm still at the point where I'm teary a little bit when I, I talk about it. And I think what has me teary, you know, you have the opportunity to share review copies with, mm-hmm. with people that you know. And some of those folks, uh, I have had opportunity to speak with them about what they've experienced. And so I have a dear friend who is many decades my, my senior who has been in this personal development game for a long time. And to hear her say that she got clarity about being perfectly imperfect and ways to create and deepen her self-care habits was meaningful. To hear one of my healthcare practitioners say that as a caregiver uh, to those of us who, who, who visit her office, that's everything to me. And so I hope if people find themselves interested that they might look into better daily self-care habits. Well, we definitely need it because we've had, you know, it's not just about putting a mask on our faces, you know, or conditioning our hair and all that's good and perfect. I have my spa Saturdays. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in-home spa Saturdays. And so I get it, but, but we, we've cultivated a lot of new habits in this past year and a half. And it's, you know, I, I suspect we're headed towards another lockdown. But I hope I'm wrong. I totally hope I'm wrong. But just, you know, seeing what I'm seeing, it's, it's, it's a possibility. And we've been so isolated for so long. And then we all kind of went berserk. And then we got the Delta and then blah, blah, blah. We need to learn how to take care of ourselves. We need to learn how to take care of each other. But just like the airlines say, you've got to put your mask on first, yeah. your air mask. And we have to give to ourselves first. And that sounds incredibly selfish to us, especially as women, but you have to do it. So you have something else to give to other people. 
you're not just drawing on the reserves all the time and leaving yourself depleted. You have to really, really tend to your soul. Yeah. You know, we started out talking about the American Psychological Association. They last year really made a clear recommendation that people engage in 15 to 30 minutes of self-care per day as a way to, to mitigate the impact of stress. They highlight that it's particularly important for parents as a way not only to take care of oneself, but to model that for, for your children. I, I think of self-care as falling into three major categories, right? Like the types. So there's the, the regular self-care. I like to say the three R's, the regular, the responsive self-care, and then restorative. So regular, the things we do daily, responsive, the soothing in the moment that, we, that we've talked a little bit about today. And then the restorative are our spa days, our self-care Saturdays and Sundays. And I think all of those together are a very important and I would say integral practice to build into, into our lives. And the thing is that we talk about self-care in such a generic fashion and we talk about what you can do, but that there is not the same level of attention to how do you go from having the idea that you want self-care to actually practicing it and then making it a habit. And I, I, I mentioned to you in our correspondence that I had a chance to hear one of your um, recent guests talking about exercise. And what I loved is that example that when you engage in new habits, you go from it being something that you do to being a person who exercises. Like that's part of your identity. And I'm, I'm, I'm quite frankly on a mission to help people make part of their identity that they engage in daily self-care. Oh, that's wonderful. And you're wonderful. Thank you so much for coming and talking about this really kind of bleh subject. You, you know, you, you're just gave us so much insight and I actually feel better. So I'm going to do better with my anger. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. I thank you for the invitation to, to join you. And I've enjoyed our conversation. You can find Dr. Horsham Brathwaite on her website, cicelybrathwaite.com and Instagram at Dr. Cicely Brathwaite. And again, her book is Better Daily Self-Care Habits, Simple Changes with Lifelong Impact. Be sure to get it at your local independent bookstore or bookshop.org. And be sure to visit our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group at rootedpg.com. Financial planning is an important tool in our financial health. Use it. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this sassy little podcast, please rate it and review it and tell your friends about it. To get the podcast early, ad-free, and with exclusive content, become a patron on Patreon. Go to the community page at sassylittlepodcast.com for more information. And let's connect. Find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at sassylittlepod or email me from the about page on the website. Until next time. Take care.